Welcome to the Details of Life with Marcus Wilson. I am your host, Marcus Wilson, and it's bittersweet for me today because I'm a little bit sad that AAU week is coming to an end, but I'm happy that I'm finishing with this team. It has a special place in my heart because 15U, I played for this team. I played with the director that's coming on to join us right now, Todd Hensley. He and I were teammates back then, so we've been knowing each other a long time. And I'm going to tell you guys a really interesting story. I'm going to get personal with you guys. I'm not going to get too emotional, but I'm going to tell you something that really means a lot to me that I learned while I was playing with this team. And hopefully it's something that you can share and, and you can learn from. And so I'm really interested to bring Indiana's only EYBL director on here and tell you what it's like to run a program. So without further ado, let's chime in with Todd Hensley. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. As I just prefaced before, today we have the director of Indie Heat and my good friend that I've been knowing for, like I said, for a long time, Todd Hensley. How you doing today, Todd? Doing great, Marcus. How are you? Man, I'm great. Thanks for making the time to come on. And so to get started, how about you go ahead and tell the, the people who don't know about Indie Heat how it started, who started it, and, and how you guys came about getting your sponsorship deal? Sure. Um... So the program actually started back in 9192 by my father, Bill Hensley. At the time, we were the Spies Jeansmen. Um, I was an eighth grader at that time. And then that next year is when we really got going with the Spies Gym Rats team and did a little bit more traveling, which is the group that you played for um, as well. And then over the years, we went from Spies, Spies Gym Rats, and then the Indy Heat name really came around um, with Greg Oden, Mike Conley, Daquan Cook's group, arguably one of the greatest travel teams to ever be assembled. Um, and they operated, you know, under the Indy Heat name, was one of our premier groups. Um, and obviously, Spice was attached to it at that time. So um, back then, we were Reebok. And um, Chris Rivers was one of my mentors, still is one of my mentors, one of my good friends. Um, we were with Reebok back then, and then when Reebok was slowly getting out of that game, um, I have a friend who ran Team Texas, Wes Grandstaff, who was a Nike program at the time, um, introduced me to George Raveling, and we've been with Nike ever since. So that was uh, 2009-ish. Wow, man. Yeah, like I said, I know I know a lot about the club because – it was the first major AU team that I played for, so I got a lot of fond memories of that. So uh, with that being said, you know, people talk about – a lot of people know about what's going on with AU. We're all missing AU in summer basketball right now. But some people who don't know much about it think about, you know, they've heard about some scandals or they think that it's a bunch of adults taking advantage of kids. But a lot of people also know that it's the vessel to get kids college scholarships. They graduate without debt. They get to travel and see the country. They get to improve their game and prepare themselves for college. So – how do you see summer basketball in your, in your opinion, and why are you a part of it? Uh, I think summer basketball, travel basketball, AU basketball, do you want to call it, is extremely important to the youth today. Um, as you know, playing, um, I learned a lot of life skills through the sport. I was able to you know, play in high school and then obviously get a scholarship and play and, and, and get my education paid for. But more importantly, I learned competition. I learned how to play in a team setting. Um, I learned leadership skills that have helped me in my life outside of sports. Um, and I think <clears throat> travel basketball gets a bad name because of things they've seen, you know, over the past few years in the press and scandals. But that's a very small percentage um, that goes on. The majority of us doing this are about 
development of the youth character, you know, developing character, leadership skills, and life skills through the sport of basketball. I, I completely agree. I've done some speaking about that before, about uh, me serving as executive director now of the YMCA. Have The success I'm having now is directly correlated to basketball, of learning how to be a good teammate, caring about others, coming in, working early, leaving late, uh, all those things you learn through sports. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. So, um, you know, I, I've heard people talk about uh, the relationship between AAU coaches and, and their high school coaches. Do you think that it's important for uh, you and your club to have good relationships with high school coaches of the players that, that are on your team? I do. Um, I can tell you our experience with it is when we have a good relationship with the high school coach, we're all working on the same page as far as development for the player on and off the court. The experience for the athlete is um, a lot more positive and beneficial to the high school coach and the athlete. You know, when you're bickering back and forth and, you know, but either side is saying don't play there or, or don't play there as much and so forth, it's just not good. Um, our experience is we believe that the high school coaches play an important role in the development of the athlete and the, and the player as a person, and we're an extension of that as well. So. Definitely, definitely. I, I completely agree. So, you know, we've been talking a little bit about Indy Heat and, and some of the, your beliefs about it. But for the people who don't know, could you tell us a little bit about the accolades that you guys have been able to garner over the years in terms of how many guys, how many All-Americans all you've had, pros, coaches on your program that may have went on to college, championships you've won? Tell the people why uh, you're an elite program. Well, we've been around like since 92, right? We're one of the original ones in our state and have done it a long time. We've had countless number of athletes come through the program. It's like it's hard to put numbers to it when you start thinking about the amount of athletes that have came through our program. In any given year, over the course of about 20 years, we'd have anywhere between three and five 17 new teams. Um, you know, from the region area, Indianapolis, Northeast, we kind of covered the state with our SPEES teams. And at any point in time, you know, 75 to 80% of those senior teams were, were going on to college, whether it was NAI or Division I, they're still getting an, an education through basketball. And, you know, quite a few of those players went on to play professional basketball overseas and NBA. Um, we've had the Mike Connollys of the world, the Jeff Teagues, the Zach Randolphs, the Trey Lyles's um, come through the program. We've had a number of NBA guys. We've had some NBA All-Stars. Um, I think what I'm most proud about the program is that we're able to, to service and help all levels of the basketball player, from the D3 kid that's the academic star all the way up to the high major Division One basketball player. And, Yes, the Peach Jam winnings and the, the number one ranked players, what everybody sees. And, you know, we're competitive people, so we like to play at that top of the pyramid. But that bottom of the pyramid is really where the mass athletes at. And there's a lot of those kids that can utilize the program to get that college education to help better life in the future. And, and I think we've done that as well as anybody in the country. Man, you guys have had some major players coming through. And I'm, I'm biased because I'm from Indiana and I know how good Indiana basketball is. So you guys have had a lot of studs come through. I know that uh, we, we, you know, we all know there's Adidas, Under Armour, Nike. Kids decide where they're going to go back and forth, what's better and whatnot. 
for the people who don't know, why would you say um, if there was a kid trying to decide, why would they? Why should they play for Indy Heat, and why should they play on the EYBL circuit? From the program standpoint, we are we we say we run it like a business, and we you'll hear that around us a lot. And what we mean by that is we take a a, a pride in the professionalism that we take with the program as far as organized travel and agendas and and mini camps and everybody knowing months in advance their schedule and what they're going to do. So from a high level program as close to the college experience, I think, as you can get without being in college, we do that very well. On the UIBL side, Nike has been ahead of the other two shoe companies. UIBL has been around longer. And when Nike gets first to the market, they do things at such a high level of quality and professionalism, it's hard to catch them. That that EYBL circuit is as close to Division One basketball, I think, as you get without getting into college basketball. It's high level. They've done a great job of, of communicating that every single game matters, every play matters, the stats, the, the, the analytics that go along with it. It's unbelievable circuit. And I'm a little biased, but I, I've seen all of them, and I don't think it's apples to apples. <laughs> well – you should. You should think that because obviously you're part of the program. Another, this is kind of a tough question. You know, it, it may seem like a no-win answer, but I've seen a lot of, co- and I've coached AAU, and I've seen a lot of guys say, you know, well, we won this tournament. We won XYZ tournaments, and they got two kids going to college. Then you got other coaches that are like, you know, we got five, five-star five players, and we sent all of our kids to college, and but they didn't, they didn't mesh well, and they didn't win. How do you balance that of trying to win versus also trying to have ranked players and trying to get kids to college. Do you think one is more important than the other, or, or how do you balance that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I would have told you before the circuits um, that I think the high-ranked players is what you know drove a lot of us at that higher level. Once the circuits came into play, there's been a heavy weight put on good teams and winning and playing the sport correctly. Um, and I think that's kind of taken over and it's encouraged us to not only go after those five-star athletes, but also to be able to balance your roster out and put a very high, highly competitive basketball team together. Good coaching. Um, up until a few years ago, you know, we'd have one head coach and assistant coach. Now we're putting three and four guys on a bench because we got them scouting and they're doing the, the analytics. And nowadays the winning aspect is important, but I think, just as you said, putting those kids into college, we don't, we try not to lose focus on the fact that our ultimate goal is to get all those 17 U athletes in that season, a place to play and get their academics paid for. So, I mean, I, as much as I would love to win the peach jam, I am every much as bit of proud of putting all 10 kids on the roster in college as I am win the championship that to me, those kids getting their, your academics paid for is, is just amazing. Yeah, I, I agree. When I coached, I think that was my priority to get kids uh, looks or scholarships. But I also know, especially at the highest levels that you guys are playing in, um, you you often start to feel a little pressure to get the ranked guys in order to keep the sponsorship. So it's a, it's a tough line to walk, but you guys are doing it very well. This summer, we know that the first live period has already been taken away from us. We all got our fingers crossed that we hope We'll see some AAU summer basketball this summer. But with that being said, how do you think that it's going to affect 
will it affect the program or affect the kids not having as many main events this summer for coaches to get out and see them and recruit? Yeah, I think it's going to definitely affect that 17U player. There's no question. Um, you know, your players that are, you know, top 50 kids and they're getting a lot of exposure, I don't think it's going to affect them as much. It's that, you know, mid to – NAIA kid that's just not going to get the exposure and the, the ability to get out there and play, um, that's who it's really going to hurt. It's also going to hurt the colleges in 2021 because it's going to change how, the, obviously, they recruit this summer for that school year. It's it, There's no question it's going to affect all of us in this game. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. The four- and five-star recruits, everybody knows who they are. They've been seen before. But for the NAIA kid, the D2 kid, the kid who – wasn't very good as a sophomore, but made leaps and bounds of improvement over the summer and was ready to break out this summer, it could affect those types of guys. So, yeah, you're right. It is going to have a ripple effect across the playing field. If we were able to play this summer, which I hope so, if we are able to play this summer, uh, could you share with us some of the guys that we might know, some of your higher-ranked guys that had already committed to play for Indy Heat this summer? Well, we were just talking before the, the podcast with uh, on – Christian Lander and Blake Wesley, we had two of, I think it could have been the greatest backcourt in the country this year in the summer. Um, personally, we've got, you know, Caleb First, who played last year up with this, Luke Goody from Homestead, Jeremy Sochan, who's a player out of uh, Lalamere over in Laporte. I think he was going to have a breakout spring and summer. Um, so we were loaded on that 17U team this year. Well, let's hope we get an opportunity to do it. I've heard rumors that they might add an extra live period in July if we somehow get a clearance out of this COVID-19 stuff. So let's just hope so. I would love to see your team uh, competing out there because you're right. you got some high-level players, especially some really good guards, and guards win. Um, what is your program doing to help prepare kids for the next level, meaning college or maybe even life? But, like, obviously skill-wise, but even academically, what, what, what are some of the things that your program does to help uh, prepare your kids for the next level? From an academic side, we do, we, we monitor everybody's academics. Um, at the beginning of the year, we always get together with the athlete and the family and kind of address any needs that are there. Um, if there's tutoring needs or when we travel, um, we have had players that are making up courses in the summer. Um, so we've got study tables for that. Um, the skill side of it is a lot of these guys on the travel team side, they're from all parts of the state. So we try to stay in contact with them as much as possible, check in with their, their workout routine, what they're doing. Um, when we were able to do some group workouts, we had guys coming in on the weekends and working out. Obviously, that's changed now given the circumstances. But once it lets back up, you know, we'll, we'll bring everybody in for a mini camp, do some skill work on the weekend. Um, right now, we're doing a lot of Zoom stuff. We, we did a live an Instagram live feed last week with a workout. We'll be doing those every Tuesday, Thursday, and then little, you know, snippets of drills and videos um, on the social media. Jared Balf, our program director, has done a phenomenal job of keeping engaged with the coaches. He's doing parent meetings and player meetings on Zoom. Um, so we're utilizing technology as best we can to keep everybody um, connected and engaged. Yeah, thank God for Zoom, man, because of that. I don't know what I'd be doing right now if all I was doing sitting in the house and not being able to go anywhere. But I think a lot of people are trying to stay connected. And it's good that you guys are keeping that, keeping your guys close, staying on top of them and giving them that support. That's really important. So if there's anybody who was watching this and wants to know more about your program or 
when the live pair does come, they want to follow that great backcourt that you were talking about. How is, uh, can you tell the people how they can follow Indie Heat, whether through websites or any social media platforms you have? Sure. Our website is IndieHeatGymRats.com and our social platforms, Twitter, Instagram, are Indie Heat Gym Rats. Okay. Simple enough. Well, man, Todd, I thank you for coming on. Like I said, it's good to see you. I hadn't seen you in a while and we got a lot of memories, but man, good luck to you this summer and uh, God bless you, man. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Great seeing you, brother. All right, man. Thanks. All right, be easy. Thank you for coming on, Todd, and giving us that knowledge, letting us know how a, how a program works and best of luck to you and your program for the rest of the year. So as I close up, I really wanted to tell you the story that I've been talking about. I said it last episode and I said at the beginning of this episode that, you know, my 15-year-old self played for Spies. It was Indy Heat, but it was called Spies back then. And I played for Todd's dad, Bill Hensley. And I was a budding player in northern Indiana. And so we ended up going down to Houston to play in this tournament. And it was my first time really being, you know, that far away from home. And I was excited. You know, I heard all about how teams, you know, coaches might be there to recruit teams. And here I am, this young kid, you know, wanting to make sure that I went to college and got a scholarship. And so long story short, there was a point in the game where um, Coach Hensley took me out the game. I didn't think it was right. And he set me for the rest of the game. And then if my my memory serves me correctly, he was going to put me back in with just like a couple minutes. He took me out and he said something to me. I ended up saying F you, right? And this was the first time in my life I had ever said a cuss word to an adult. There's only been two times. That time and then my senior year in college, got into an argument with Coach Cruz. And uh, that's another story. But I've never disrespected elders. And so I really felt bad about that. And the reason I tell you that story is this. I could have easily been blown off by adults and said, oh, he has a bad attitude. This was just a bad day of a young kid having a lot of pressure on himself. I'm the youngest of 15 kids. I really wanted to get to college, to be able to you know, have this dream of playing professional basketball, taking care of my family. And in my young mind, this is my opportunity. These coaches were supposed to be there. And I wanted to show, my, I wanted to show what I got. And so you know, I'm, when I didn't get that chance, you know, of course, who does the player get mad at? He gets mad at the coach. And that's how I responded. But, you know, overall, I wasn't a bad kid, you know, and that, that was just a one-time incident. So I would say, number one, is make sure you're giving kids the chances and understanding where they're coming from and why they might be making some of the mistakes they're making, right? Is there a lot of pressure on them? Is there a single mom that's, you know, on drugs at home and really putting the whole success of their family on their back? And then when they don't get that opportunity, that's why they get emotional, you know, understand your kids, understand where they're coming from. And I think that you're going to be able to understand their responses better and therefore be a better leader. Number two is about 20 years after that, I called Todd up and I, I called him up and I said, man, I just want to apologize for what I, how I talked to your dad. And this was 20 years later. Right. And I had never apologized. It was just one day that I, I really wanted to make sure I told him that. And so that's part two of this is it's never too late to admit that you're wrong. And I was wrong on how I responded to that. And, you know, even though uh, Bill had passed by the time I took my opportunity to say I'm sorry, you know, I do feel that I felt better getting that off. And I just wish I would have had, you know, the, the mindset to do that earlier. And so there's two parts of that. You know, hopefully we learn how to understand kids. Second of all, never think it's too late to say you're sorry or admit that you're wrong. It's not unmanly to do that. It actually takes a great man to do that. So. Wanted to leave you with that personal story. Hopefully, 
you know, drop a little knowledge on you here and there so it gives you something to go back to and be a better person in life. Man, guys, you know, thank you so much for tuning in to AAU Week. Listen to this. This week, we have associate head coach of Kansas State, Chris Lowry, coming up on Wednesday. On Sunday, we have Georgia Tech head coach, Josh Pastner. And, you know, what else can you ask for? The next week, I got another surprise for you. So we're just going to keep bringing people in. It's going to tell you about the game, keep you engaged, and make sure you keep tuning in because this is all we got right now during this coronavirus thing. So I hope, hopefully I can fill your basketball bucket up. So thank you so much for tuning in for AU Week. If you haven't watched all the episodes, go back. You're going to learn something from each and every team. They're all great teams. Thanks, thanks to all the teams that came on here and made all this possible. There were so many teams that gave us a lot of knowledge and the details of how to be successful. And what do I always say? You know that's right. Greatness is in the details, guys. Make sure you come back, subscribe, like, share, support what we're doing. Got some great episodes coming next week. Love you guys. Peace.